Bible says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Proverbs 3 and 6. So, Father, as we are about to look into your word tonight, we recognize you as Lord of Lords, King of all kings, Creator, Giver and Sustainer of life. You are the source of our strength. You have redeemed us by the blood of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Without you, Lord God, we can do absolutely nothing. We bow in honor, worship, love, and adoration before you this night. And from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for every blessing. Our sufficiency is of you. So we ask that every lack will be supplied. Give us the capacity to receive and the willingness to share all the blessings you are pouring upon us at this hour. Make us to be a thankful people. We now remember those who do not know you as Savior. May they call on your name at this hour. For you said, it will come to pass that as many as shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. We thank you, Lord, for delivering them. We pray for the backslider. We pray for those who may be drifting away from you gradually. Oh Lord, rescue them and help them to redirect their steps towards Calvary, towards the throne of grace. You, Lord God, we ask you to touch them in such a way that they will arise and take up their cross and follow you. We pray, Father, also that you will build your church and extend your kingdom, your rule in all the earth. At this hour, Lord, we pray the prayer that your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Well, again, friends, welcome to the Bible study, midweek Bible study tonight. And we are looking at the book of Genesis chapter 15. We would like to pick up from where we left off at verse number 8. 
and speak to him in this way and to know that the God of all the earth and the God of heaven came to him in his hour of need with such great words of consolation. God is our refuge and strength. That very present help in time of trouble and in time of need. Psalms 46 and 1. Abraham then took the opportunity as God was his shield and his rewarder. He took the opportunity to mention the fact that he and his wife were childless. And they were in their advancing years. His wife, Sarah, was deemed barren. And further, Abraham lamented that his estate would have had to be left into the hands of his slave. But God immediately corrected Abraham's line of thought. The man, uh, the man Abraham, was looking at things from a human and a natural point of view. He, like most of us, learned, uh, he, like most of us, had to learn that the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the upward, but God sees far deeper, far beyond the surface. The one who is omnipotent is also omniscient, knowing more and seeing way beyond our human line of vision and reasoning. God said to Abraham, let me take your hand, son, and lead you outside of this tent. You have been looking at things with a narrow and a limited vision. You are only seeing the inside of your tent. But let me take you outside to my tent. Now, Abraham, look up into the skies. What do you see? Stars, Lord. Can you number them for me? No, Lord. They are numberless. They are too many. They are numerous. Well, hear this, Abraham. As stars, are without number, so shall your offsprings be. You will now become the father of many nations, the father of a multitude. And as promised you before, you will, uh, your, uh, through you and in you, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You who at this moment are least likely to be able to fulfill what I just said to you, Abram. You who have nothing and you who have all the odds stacked against you, you will be father of generations, of universal proportions. Hang in there, Abraham. Believe what I say to you, and you will find your fulfillment to be real. And Abraham believed God, the Bible says, and God credited it to him 
as righteousness. To believe God in the face of staggering impossibilities is another dimension of faith. Let me repeat that. To believe God in the face of staggering impossibilities is a mighty mark of faith. Someone wrote these words, faith sees the invisible and grasps the intangible and comprehends the impossible and confesses the incredible. When a human being could demonstrate his or her confidence in the invisible almighty God, he or she is a true child of God. We need to uh, declare our confidence in the living God in these days, at all times, and under all circumstances. The people with whom God is well pleased are the people who could confess him in the face of staggering impossibilities. Someone else wrote these words. Quote, Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the dark some night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take the step. Faith soars on high. Doubt whispers, who believes? Faith answers, I. Abraham became the friend of God because of his faith. And so are we friends of God because we believe. In verse 7 of Genesis 15, God gives Abraham and his descendants the land of Canaan. This was more than 1900 years before Christ. Abraham then asked God for some indication, some sign that would serve as a confirmation of the promise he made. This quest for a sign is not an indication of any unbelief on the part of Abraham. He knew that people in those days could become very, very contentious over land, movable and immovable property. They would go to war over land, over real estate, over houses, water, water resources, wells, rivers, and streams. Abraham wanted a sign from God that God himself had deeded the land of Canaan to him and to his descendants. He wanted something to show. He wanted something to serve as an eternal confirmation of the transaction, of the transfer from God himself to Abraham and his people. Heaven's blessing is what Abraham desired. Lands and properties are very sensitive things. Today, many families and good friends are divided 
over lands and properties. And Abraham wanted some assurance, some visible or tangible uh, indication that God had given him and his descendants this land. Abraham was saying, Father, I need something to remember this by. And what did God promise? God said to Abraham, present to me a sacrificial offering, a sacrifice of blood. Some say this is crude, it's gross, repugnant, repulsive. They draw back from such. But hear the word of the Lord in Hebrews 9 and 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And some people who do not know God, among them secret societies and certain religions, they still practice forms of blood sacrifice. But I declare to you this night that the blood of Jesus once and for all atoned for the sin of all mankind. And we do not have to shed blood or to be participators of any blood shedding movement. We are trusting in the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So when God asked Abraham to make these sacrifices in response to Abraham's request for a sign, I see here a prefiguring of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, sacrificed in order to give us an eternal inheritance. And again, thank God, we are not required to make the type of sacrifice Abraham made. Jesus did it all for me and you once. And that one presentation was enough. One sacrifice was sufficient. Faith in Christ and its finished work justifies any man before God today. Believing makes the difference. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15 and 3. But back to Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 9. God said to Abraham, Take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. There are lessons in this verse, too numerous to discuss at this point, but this stockpile of sacrifices is clearly a picture of the cross of Christ. He won his place 
silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. First Peter 1 18. So the sacrifice of Genesis 15 9 um, presents a picture of Christ and the cross, the basis on which redeemed man receives his inheritance, everything, every gift we receive from our Father comes to us through the work and merits of the cross of Calvary. Then, as we look at this pile of sacrifices here, this stack of animal sacrifices, especially the heifer, the she-goat, and the ram, all, all were to be three years old. That speaks of the maturity of the animals. Three years, a three-year-old animal was considered mature. The ministry of Jesus Christ ran for three years plus. Um, at which interval, he is described in the book of Acts as a man approved by God. His life as a man uh, ended at uh, 33 and a half years thereabout. He was mature. There was no fault found in him. He was in the prime of life. He was no Johnny come lately. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 22, this is Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved among you by the miracles and the signs and wonders which he did. He was mature. He was around for a long enough period for the John public to know and notice that he was no ordinary man. He was a mature man. Then all the animals and the birds were declared clean by the law of Moses 450 years later and were approved for sacrifices throughout the dispensation of law. The writer of the book of Hebrews speaks of the sacrificing of bulls and heifers and goats. Hebrews 9 and 13. Through this encounter with God, Abraham unknowingly was setting the pattern and charting the course that would lead up to the Messiah, the Prince, the Son of God, the one who would sacrifice himself for us all, becoming the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. If you are serving Jesus today, you are on the right track because he is God's lamb and God's lamb is the acceptable lamb, the sufficient lamb, the lamb whose blood was able to atone through the ages. One more thing about the sacrifice of animals and birds, each of the items was within the means of the 
marketing. By that I mean this. The rich, the not so rich, the poor, and the not so poor, the poorest, had a portion in the offering that they could have brought. The rich man could have brought the heifer. The man who was uh, less wealthier could have brought the goat. And those who were very poor could have brought either a pigeon or a turtle dove. This is the reason Jesus could call to himself all who are weak, weary, and heavy laden, and promise to them he will give them rest. God's grace caters to all, rich, poor, not so rich, not so poor, and even the poorest. Everyone is welcome. Everyone can bring an offering. The size of the offering doesn't matter much. It is the commitment and the love and the heart of the bringer and the giver that comes. Everyone has a place in the arms of Jesus. Everyone has a place beside Jesus or even down at his feet. This gospel is universal. The Christ of Calvary is within the reach of whosoever will. No one is too low for him to reach and no one is too high for him to reach. Anyone can meet Jesus and find in him forgiveness and salvation. Notice, Abraham laid out the sacrifices and patiently waited for the heavenly visitation. In those Old Testament times, the worshiper would lay out the sacrifice and prayed, worshiped, and waited. And the fire of God would fall from heaven and consume the sacrifice. And by that, the worshiper would know that his sacrifice was accepted. Here, Abraham laid out the sacrifices, patiently waited for the heavenly visitation. And this man of faith, while waiting, I'm sure he was believing, he was expecting an answer and a visitation. But while he waited, vultures sought to devour that which belonged to God. Remember John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that those who are targeted by the enemy might have life and have it 
are the powers that sought to wrest the land of Israel from the hands of the Jewish people through the centuries. Many vultures, the Babylonians, the Romans, the Greeks, and you name them, they all wanted to take away the land and to some extent they did succeed. They tell us that Jerusalem is one of the most besieged cities of the world and of history. And after it would have been besieged, it rose to life again, it came to life again, and today it has come to life after many, many attacks. Up until today, Israel cannot regain their, the use, the full use of their capital city. But one day, they will. One day, it will be in their hands after God takes it out of the hands of the Gentiles. Cannot forget that scripture that says, in the words of Jesus, that Jerusalem shall be trodden down under the feet of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. We are about in our day, perhaps, certainly, to see the times of the Gentiles come to an end and the city that Jesus spoke about 2,000 years ago will fall back into the hands of those to whom it rightfully belongs. Israel cannot regain their capital city to this day. The vultures are swooping down upon them from the east, the west, the north, the south, from above and from tunnels beneath. The vultures are seeking to seize what God had given to Abraham and his descendants. But the man of faith and the people of faith are driving away those vultures by prayer. Not only is the Jew praying for his country, but every spiritual Jew, every child of God, every child of Jesus Christ is remembering to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for great peace have they that do so. Yes, um, people of faith are driving away the vultures by prayer, by fasting, by supplication, and by spiritual sacrifice. Yes, Abraham laid out his sacrifice, and the wicked vultures were coming to take away what belonged to God. Abraham drew these vultures away, and the Bible tells us that we should resist the devil, and he will flee from us. We should give no place to the devil. We should press on. We should fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. We should cast not away our confidence. It is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave
these days than in these closing times, perilous times. We have to be doing a lot of driving away, for the enemy will not be satisfied to see us walk gladly and joyfully into the kingdom. He would like to put as many obstacles in our way as he can. But thank God for Jesus, who has given us the victory. Abraham drove those vultures away from God's property, from those. And, and, and today, let me back up a little bit. Abraham drove those vultures away from God's property. And today, you and I have property, spiritual property, physical property. We have children, and we would drive away by faith all those vultures that are seeking to devour our children in one form or another. In Jesus' name, we drive away the devourer. We drive away every destroyer. We drive away every evil-intentioned loiterer. And we drive away every bully. We drive away every crafty and cunning deceiver. And we say, leave what we have dedicated to God. Leave what we have committed to God. Leave what is God's property. Like Abraham, the man of faith, we speak against those mountains. That is what Abraham was doing, driving away the vultures as he watched, waited, and expected some divine visitation of fire from the God of heaven. Beloved, Job said a long time ago, I will wait till my change comes. Abraham at this time, while he was waiting, he had his hands full, the vultures on one hand, and evening approaching, the sun was going down. His eyes becoming heavy with sleep. Now, how would he look after God's sacrifice? There comes a time when we were too weak to offer any physical defense to the attacks of the enemy. But it is in that time when we are weak, God comes and makes us strong. When we are incapable of finding a way of escape, God himself makes a way of escape. So Abraham is tired now. Both his hands are filled. Sleep is coming strongly upon him. But God is faithful so that when we come to the end of our resources, God steps in in a miraculous way. In his helpless state, in what appeared to be dense darkness, God spoke, giving to Abraham the plan for his people. We will talk more about this, Lord willing, when we meet the next time. But it is a good thing not to faint. Baba says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You don't wait until adversity comes, then try to whip up strength. It is midweek Bible studies like these that inspires your faith, that builds 
he was sitting at meat with Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord this night. Your situation and my situation and our situation and the situation of our friends and families and acquaintances have not gone so far, but that our God is able. This is your hour for God's power. It appears to be too late, but God's clock is not synchronized with yours. He is an on-time God. Wait on Him. Wait patiently for Him. And like Job, your change will come. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word, which is always a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We thank you that it is a living word. As it is ministered, life flows and flies out of it like lightning. Your word is so quick and powerful and so sharp that it is able to penetrate into the dark recesses of our soul. Touch everyone online tonight and let this word minister not only to them, but to their family and to their friends and to those about whom they are concerned. We thank you for miracles. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for provision. We thank you for supernatural strength. We thank you for fulfilling every need in the lives of those within the hearing of this voice. We ask this and believe it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.